Welcome to the Philosophy Pub, a podcast where a group of friends sit around a table and drink alcohol and talk about whatever we feel like. Um, I'm your host, Ruel. I'm Soren. I'm Emily. And I'm Lewis. So on tonight's podcast, we decided to um, take a little bit of a step away from the last one where we talked about healthcare and go in more of a a relevant to our society, our daily society, and talk about tolerance. So we have a series of questions that we want to address. And the main one, of course, is what is tolerance and what does it look like? And one of you feel free to start. Well, since we haven't heard yet from our, from our newest <laughs> contributor, why don't you go ahead and start for us? Oh, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Okay. Well, I'm drinking wine tonight, so I'm sure it's going to get real messy real quick. But um, <laughs> tolerance to me, I guess... Um, <laughs> I suppose it's really just accepting people for who they are and um, accepting other people's ideas and just not... Lewis, what do you think? I think in terms of tolerance, the idea of being open comes to mind. Uh, Being open-minded, being open to new things, being open to otherness. Um, That's generally the language that I use to describe it. What do you think, Soren? I'm kind of thinking along the same lines that it's kind of an, an openness and a, a flexibility as far as what goes on outside of you. So you can believe and, and create your life in your own way, but you can't necessarily allow that to infringe on others. And same would go for, for others being tolerant of you that they can't infringe on, on yours. Um, so I think that would be kind of a tolerant thing. I think what we're pretty clearly getting at here is that it's not an easy definition to come up with. It isn't, easy. no. But now that you you guys have said that, what comes to mind to me is, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, what you heard in kindergarten or whatever, and it's just really giving others the chance to believe what they want to believe, just as you believe what you believe. And uh, just, which is very difficult sometimes, but really keeping in mind that they're also another person with different ideas, and they may not exactly go with yours all the time. Yeah, I would agree. I, I take the very libertarian standpoint of it where it's, you know, being open to others and new experiences and learning new information. Um, I love doing that. I love talking to people and just learning what they think and how they feel. Um, but yeah, like what uh, Soren said was that, you know, you, you are free to believe and think and feel what you want and others are free to do the same and as long as you don't you know conflict with each other i think that's tolerance and being tolerant of each other mm-hmm. and of course i think in our society we run into a lot of a lot of issues with that because there seem to be a lot of overlaps between my rights my right bubble and your right bubble and, mm-hmm. and where those things collide which I think is, is where tolerance is coming up so much in the public sphere lately. Yeah, and that's that was the next point I was going to look at was what does tolerance look like? I mean, both from our personal perspectives and I think what is going on in not only in our country but the rest of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's starting to look like that tolerance is going a little bit too far, in my opinion, to becoming intolerance. Um, I believe our pub librarian had a point to make. Um, Yeah, I was just going to add, you know, to that idea of tolerance becoming intolerance. Um, Karl Popper proposed a theory back in 
1945. I think that might have been in reaction to certain things that were going on in his time. Just, <laughs> sure, you know, absolutely. throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. But um, he came to the conclusion that to maintain a tolerant society, the society has to be intolerant of intolerance. So it's called the paradox of tolerance. So if you want to do any further research on that, you're more than welcome to. But the idea that you cannot tolerate intolerance, I think, is is where a lot of the, the liberal progressive sectors in our society are coming from. That you cannot allow people to be intolerant of others. But then it comes down to each different group is defining what it means to be intolerant mm-hmm. of others in a different way. And so you're running into all, all these problems. So imagine was it Kim Davis who was that Christian woman who refused to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples Mm -hmm. she would say that they were being intolerant of her Christian worldview I will Mm -hmm. say I don't agree with her on any level just (laughs) but that would be I imagine her perspective that they were being intolerant of her beliefs whereas Mm -hmm. the people whose marriages licenses were being refused would say that they that she was being intolerant of them and their beliefs and their Mm -hmm. lifestyle and what do you do when those two yeah. things collide. The only thing in that case is, I guess, I mean, gay marriage is legal. So when a law is maybe not, you know, in line with your beliefs, is that maybe you being intolerant of the way society is? Or is that, you know, where, like, where's the line there, you know? Well, I think difficult. if we start using legality to define... Ethics or tolerance, Mm -hmm. we run into a really big problem because the law cannot possibly encompass every situation. Yeah, we discussed that last week. With healthcare, with law, takes a very long time to catch up to society. This is true. Or it can. It can. Mm -hmm. And now in the the internet age, it does, you know, work a lot faster than it used to. I I love that paradox of tolerance. It really, really does make you think. It does. It's very true because you think, you know. I mean, even with, um, you know, certain flags and symbols and stuff, you know, people who want to display those and people who say, you know, it's, you know, represents this or that. And, um, you know, is that them being intolerant of these people who may be Uh, intolerant or, you know? I think you run into a big problem because, you know, we have to kind of come to a definition of intolerance and I think that's going to be basically impossible because especially now when you look at our our society and this whole idea of microaggressions and things like that Mm -hmm. you know literally anything could be considered intolerant to someone else I mean there's there's something going around that um regular sized chairs are intolerant to people who are overweight Mm -hmm. or a microaggression yeah maybe we could an interesting thought just occurred to me Maybe the intention behind an action is significant then. If it's not intended to be uh, intolerant to people that have a regular sized chair, then in, maybe it's not. Maybe yeah. maybe intention is the, the, the key point for whether things are tolerant. Well, and to, what, to what means do we have to go? Thank you. To, be, <laughs> to what end do we have to go to to be tolerant of someone? I mean, Disneyland had to rework all of their boats on the Small World ride because they were bottoming out because of overweight people. So they mm-hmm. built all new boats that had a higher yeah. weight capacity. Mm-hmm. But can we expect every public institution that has regular sized chairs to have 
only extra large chairs so that someone doesn't feel singled out because they have to get an extra large chair and everybody else has normal sized well, chairs. I mean, comes down where to does the question, it end? Yeah, it comes down to the question of does your personal level of tolerance become an mm-hmm. undue burden upon the rest of society? Yeah. Sure. And that is a point I think we are very close to reaching where people's comfort and levels of tolerance and offense are mm-hmm. you know, putting a great undue burden on the rest of us. Um, that's not to say that you know some of their concerns are invalid. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have valid, you know, actually con- totally valid concerns. But well, like take for instance peanut allergies in schools. In the schools sure. where now no child is allowed to eat peanuts because mm-hmm. that one child is allergic to peanuts. Yeah, is that fair to the rest of the children, or should that well, child be accommodating themselves rather than you know the whole rest of the world having to accommodate them? Just for full disclosure, Emily and I are both <laughs> allergic to peanuts. So, and me in particular, I grew up in a, a situation where I had to have EpiPens with me all the time. Um, and I think it's so, I, I would much have preferred to have an environment growing up where you know there weren't peanuts around, mm-hmm. and I would be feeling safe. But then again, the situation was such that I would have died if I was exposed to peanuts. So I think there are situations, particularly where life and death, uh, people's pursuit of happiness. Uh, but where does it end, too? Because, yeah, you, do, you take care of this in schools. There's no peanuts in the school. It's I guess you could say zone. people could be allergic to anything. Exactly. People could be exactly. damaged so by a, anything. We have a food free school now because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's Though, a possible it's allergy. It's a bit of a slippery slope, but I, it, I just, yeah. I will give you that the one in ten are allergic to peanuts. So <laughs> I will also say. But then, is it fair to make the nine out of ten go out of their way, change their lunches, change mm-hmm. their diet patterns to accommodate that one? Yeah. As much of an individualist as I am, when does the individual become more important than the larger group? group? Than the group. Mm-hmm. So. And unfortunately, you know, especially people on food assistance and stuff, peanut butter's one of those things that they get. Absolutely. Well, it's usually cheap. discounted yeah. or free. It's and cheap, good it protein, is cheap. Fat. So, yeah, you have poverty or children who are maybe impoverished, and that's all they can bring to school. So, are they, you know, not allowed, not allowed to eat right. that? Yeah. Or do they have to sit at a different table and everyone knows? You know, it's just. So, it singles them out probably it, too. It gets it, messy real fast. It does. It does, because there are no easy answers. Yeah, there are. Well, and sure then if you look at even back to kind of more the, the, the larger tolerance of people and their beliefs issue, if you look at a nation like France where they've banned things like wearing headscarves and burkas in public, mm-hmm. um, what is the value of that 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 adds? So that I don't have to see that you are a religious person out in my life because, you know, like, what is the value? I actually don't know the reasoning behind that at all. Uh, I don't either. Uh, I heard one of the rationales was that they were, um, ISIS or whoever before preceded them was using, were using burqas to hide bombs. Um, but on a on a similar note, Germany is now has that. So thing. France has a ban on religious garb. Period. Yeah, you can't wear crosses over. Cross here. necklaces. Could you and wear everything. a yarmulke if you're a Jew? No, you cannot wear. Um, let's see. Okay, so let's see what this says. Um, in 2010, so there's a ban on masks, helmet, balaclavas, niqabs, any other veils. No burkas. Um, and then no veils. Hmm. Okay, you know what they they can wear. Um, scarves and headscarves now. Um, wow. So, <laughs> the only time they can wear 
the niqab is if they are in a private car or worshiping in a religious place. Um, The wearing of all conspicuous religious symbols is not allowed in schools. So, yeah, that goes back to the, like, crosses and all of that. So you can't Mm -hmm. wear anything like that in schools. So when does it become so offensive to someone else that I wear a cross or a headscarf or something like that 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 I'm not allowed to anymore? What Mm -hmm. impact does that have on anyone else? Like, oh, he's religious. That offends me. (laughs) But then we have something in Germany where you can't post hate speech, so to speak, online where they last I heard that they uh, went and arrested 37 people for posting anti-islam rhetoric on Facebook oh. and so you're getting to this point of they're fearing intolerance so much that they've become intolerant themselves I think somebody said that they they're so afraid of the Nazis again that they are turning into the Nazis again <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Which brings us back to the paradox of tolerance. Exactly. It becomes increasingly more difficult to be tolerant. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. For, the further you go and further... Well, and in our, in our society here in the U.S., you know, um, tolerance demands that you are completely accepting in a lot of circles of LGBT rights, all of those right. things. Often at the expense of people who are very conservative religious people uh, of varying religions you know um and so where does where does that line come that you have to tell someone like i'm sorry that that's what you believe because of your religion but it doesn't matter anymore because our society's moved past that Mm -hmm. Mm. or it seems that people are only tolerant of someone when they know one certain thing like let's say there's someone who practices you know um islam and uh is also against lgbt so you know, the people who would usually be like, oh, you know, pro, you know, not pro-Islam, but, you know, would be tolerant. And then not, they're intolerant of them because they're conservative. So... They're very selective. It, exactly. Yeah. Like, can you have the selectiveness of tolerance? When you tolerate someone, is it their whole being? <laughs> or is it these certain beliefs? What's pertaining to you? Well, and I think it comes back to kind of, in my ideal world, it would be that if you are being tolerant of someone, then your beliefs are not impacting them. <laughs> right. But, you know, how do you have a bakery or work in a, you know, any sort of environment in the public sphere at all that might touch on those issues if you really fundamentally do believe those things and you're not, you know, you're you not have to car- You have to compartmentalize or do something else. That's the, an interesting uh, situation, too, with the bakery, where, right, the women didn't, were denied to bake the cake, wedding cake for a gay couple. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess you could say, yeah, the couple could have gone to another bakery, but should she have baked it? If she's a business open, I mean, I'm not sure business law, Most is it that you have, have to? have the law that you can refuse service yeah. to anyone for any reason. And is it even inclusive of religion or sex or sexual orientation it does not encompass protected classes which sexuality sexual orientation is not as of yet a protected class right Mm. which was glossed over by the obama administration for better or for worse Mm -hmm. at the time but it is not classified as a protected class in our government So, so it can legally be discriminated against and then let the Again, free market decide the consequences yeah. for that discrimination. See, and that's kind of my thought, is how many other bakeries are there in town? 
that they could have gone to instead of trying to put that one baker out of business. This right. is true, but I can understand, you know, you know, struggle. I mean, I guess, like, let's say they, you know, this couple, they had a friend who went to this baker and was like, oh, it's, you know, she does beautiful cakes and all this. They're so happy. They're getting married. And, you know, to be denied and to be almost denied their the legitimacy of their relationship, you know? It, but I'm does, sure it would does feel... Does Which is a legal relationship. It, right, but yeah. is it the obligation of others to reinforce the legitimacy of your marriage for you? If so, <laughs> then necessarily, but... Well... I don't know. I'm sure I, it helps. <laughs> you know, what, when was... I mean, it was legalized, what, only... Two, years ago. And it's still not legal, you know, in Australia, even places that are not you know, that probably should seem like they're way behind, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's a big thing, you know, just to be recognized as being just as, you know, deserving of a wedding cake as Right. But if you look at you know, I think that was in Portland, the big one that they're talking about mm-hmm. where that happened. The cake. Yeah. There that is an extremely liberal city. So the chances that they could not find someone to bake their cake are slim to none. I think it was more of a, not necessarily an inconvenience to them, but them making a political statement mm-hmm. that it should be a protected class. Yeah, but it people. sucks that that baker had to be put out of business for that. It does. Mm-hmm. I'm not, saying, honestly, it, I'm not think, saying it's right, but... I think it should not have been a legal issue. If anything, it should have been a, yeah, guys, let's all get together and leave them garbage reviews on Yelp. Because they won't serve yeah, us the free and market drive them out of business that way. I mean, with the way our society is going as far as acceptance of gay marriage, they would not have lasted very long. Right. With people in fact, pursuing legislative or, or legal action against someone is almost a very intolerant act. It is. And why can't <laughs> you just go to a different bakery? And now my other question for this is, this one was with a Christian baker. Have we seen any cases where a gay couple has gone to a, a Muslim or... Orthodox Jewish bakery and insisted on getting a wedding cake. Might not. Have and been tried that. to sue. No, but it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Right. So it's not mm-hmm. getting us back a little bit back on track. I think we touched on this a little bit, but sure. Can can tolerance go a little too far, and you know, to, to become yeah. <laughs> to become a form of hatred in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe hatred's not the right word, but... Intolerance. Intolerance, bigotry, which I know is a buzzword thrown around a lot, but I mean the truer sense of bigotry. Um, can it become that? Like, And if so, you know, how, how does that manifest, I think, is a, is a good question to ask here. I think, I think what we've been kind of getting at is that it definitely can go too far. Um, that in order to tolerate everyone's religious beliefs, we have to take all religious beliefs out of the public square as mm-hmm. basically what happened in France. Um, you know, and I think I think that definitely can go too far. I think it's worth noting that people will cry intolerance, I think, on mm-hmm. silly issues in order to get, you know, themselves legitimized, basically. Mm-hmm. Like when, you know, the whole utterly ridiculous war on Christmas thing happened with the Starbucks cups being the wrong design. Because it was a war on Christmas and a war on Christians and blah blah blah, all this stuff, and I can't even imagine how the actually oppressed Christians in nations like Malaysia were (laughs) reacting to this, like, really? You're really gonna have a tantrum about Starbucks cups right now? Like, (laughs) there are people trying to kill us. 
<laughs> I think tolerance goes too far when it tries to shame or censor the supposed intolerant into silence, whether it be through threats of violence or ad hominem or trying to just shut down the, the discussion. Mm. Um, you see that a lot, especially on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, or disrespecting other people's opinions. Not, regardless of whether you agree or not. Mm-hmm. People have the right to say their opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, I think in to- our tolerance goes too far to manifest as, as hatred or what have you, when it tries to shut down the argument mm-hmm. instead well, of yeah, no other beliefs are yeah, tolerated or the conversation. Yeah, even. instead of just fostering healthy conversation. Well, and I think too, it kind of gets to that point when you're trying to force someone else to change their religious beliefs or whatever beliefs you know in order to accommodate this new thing like oh churches can no longer teach against gay marriage well it's in the bible well that's too bad you can't talk about anymore like really can't you just like it frustrates me when you need to make or i say you when people think we're seeing a problem where the systems whether they be about bathrooms or whether they be about sports are slow to develop or to meet the needs of the ethics of society. Or it might, in fact, be impossible to develop a system that works for athletics or bathrooms or whatever. Well, and I accommodate everyone when we're saying that there's literally an infinite number of possible gender, sexual orientation right. spectrums. Can we reasonably ex- be expected to accommodate that as a society? Perhaps you could say that tolerance is aspirational in some senses but not necessarily practical or so But I feel like in that case, tolerance <laughs> becomes a perk for the majority. So you're always going to have minority groups that are excluded because they're too small to be accommodated. Which... I don't think I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then that begs the question, is that a bad thing? Like, do we sacrifice things... The few of a- for the good of the many? Or no, sacrifice the many for the good of the few. That's probably more dangerous, but... Both sides are terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. And they dehumanize both, all the people on either side. Um, But I think that's a really good place to take a break real quick. Um, We're going to get some refills, and we'll be right back.
Alright, we're back. I've got my drink refilled. Looks like everyone else does too. So, um, before the break we, we kind of got down a little bit of a rabbit hole there, but it's actually a good one and I want to keep us going on that topic of conversation. So, we're now moving into tolerance um, that I put in quotes as sort of a what the so-called social justice warriors or the regressive left or extreme leftists, whatever you want to call them, what they consider to be tolerant. <laughs> the extreme tolerant. <laughs> because we, we uh, during the break, we definitely made the distinction that the conservative right has never said they are um, tolerant, and nobody I have ever heard has made an argument that they are. So that's why we're going to be focusing on the leftists so much. Well, the extreme leftists. Um, so uh, Soren and Lewis were actually getting into a pretty, pretty good um, conversation that I had to cut short because I wanted to save it for, for all of you. So continue with where you were or what you wanted to, or where you started rather. Well, I think it's worth noting that the Christian conservative right doesn't value tolerance. They value their own viewpoint above everything else, and so. To them, their their focus is on insisting that this is a Christian government, this is a Christian nation. There's no room in their worldview for other viewpoints, and so there there's no place or need for tolerance in that in that regard. Right. And the I was gonna bring up the fact that they don't aspire to tolerance, but the people who do aspire to tolerance often fall short, and they don't actually achieve it. The aspiration is never actually met necessarily with. Result because there are intolerant people that they can't tolerate. Right. So, and that's a big problem because they're screaming intolerance at a group that doesn't value tolerance, but they're trying to show this group what tolerance supposedly is by shouting them down, telling them they don't deserve to By not demonstrating tolerance. Exactly. They're fundamentally failing to exhibit anything of what they're aspiring to or supposedly aspiring to. And so they're trying to show someone something that's supposedly valuable that's at best an empty promise. Right. So would you call, consider that one of their probably many logical fallacies in their argument, that they're trying to address a completely different philosophy using their own philosophy instead of trying either to find a middle ground right. or using the, uh, the Right. I think they're, they're coming at a worldview from their own worldview, demanding that the new worldview Become aspire to theirs. And they just don't. And in order to do that, instead of actually teaching them, hey, you know what, this is what tolerance looks like. I mean, look at, say, as an example, what Jesus would have done, which was, you know, to actually go sit and talk with people and have a, an engagement with people. Or even and Gandhi, so, yeah. yeah, and now you have this, this culture of shouting someone down. Like, that's not a good way to convert them to your <laughs> viewpoint when you're right. trying to teach them that tolerance is better than shouting someone down. Right. Tolerance only works in an echo chamber. <laughs> Which is what a lot of, not only just the, you know, we're just going to use SJWs for ease of conversation, but it's what they do and a lot of what the right-wingers do. They they all live in their echo chamber. Um, we've seen it with some, some family members um, and just my travels across the internet. Well, yeah, they try and completely block out and wall themselves in so they don't have to hear or be exposed to any other worldview. Mm -hmm. Right. Or examine the fallacies within their own thinking. Mm -hmm. They don't uh, want to be challenged. And primarily I'm thinking about the left in terms of the fallacies within their own thinking. Mm -hmm. Your complete exclusion of others is your worldview. It's not necessarily inconsistent, mm -hmm. I would say. 
Right, no, the, the conservative Christians, I would argue, have a fairly consistent grasp on what they want the world to look like. Right, which is, I, I give them credit for that. As much as <laughs> sure. I disagree with them, I, I give do them too. credit for that. I do too. Yeah, they have a, a consistency there. Now, whether or not that actually matches up with their individual lifestyles... Right. Mm. That's a different. That's a different question. Different that's topic a, for a different day. Yeah, or something we don't I even know. A topic. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like how many times do oh, the things they may be standing against is kind of what they engage in, or what they embody, or what they embody <laughs> exactly. Well, and you know, uh, um, and that's why they're so a against hole. it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we can stay away from that. Yeah, with <laughs> respect to people that are um, actually willing to to engage with people on the opposite side, I really want to give some props right now to the ACLU. They are currently representing Milo Yiannopoulos and themselves and an abortion group against the transit authority in Washington, D.C. in a free speech case. Now, what do those three groups have in common? Basically nothing, (laughs) especially when you add in the Milo Yiannopoulos component there. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look at the comments on on their articles, people are very upset that the ACLU would represent someone like that that's, you know an he's awful a, person, he's a pedophile, he's got all these issues, and they're like, I'm not going to support the ACLU anymore, this is just awful, you have the right to choose who your clients are. But the ACLU is arguing that free speech encompasses everyone. everyone. If no, if individual people's free speech is taken away, then we've all lost it. Right. Mm-hmm. Which does bring us to um, another topic that I wanted to mention that's somewhat related and now seems a little more so of... Is it truly tolerant to block somebody's right to free speech versus just protesting them? Like some of Milo's speeches at college campuses, Mm. Trump's speeches, things like that. Not saying that you have to be a fan of said person. I'm certainly not a fan of a lot of the speakers that come around where we are. But I think it's more important to respect their right to free speech and therefore you are more tolerant. Mm-hmm. than to simply shut them down because you don't like what they say, which is inherently intolerant. Well, I think, yeah, that kind of ties in with, with the same thing of you can't show someone tolerance by shouting them down. You know, the conservatives are trying to have these speakers come to college campuses. They've been invited there by a group or whoever. And then someone screams loud enough that they're, that person's not allowed to speak. So then the conservatives are like, you guys are completely intolerant of our viewpoint. You won't even let us tell you what our viewpoint is at this point. And they've got a point. I mean, if you're not letting someone speak, how can there ever be a productive dialogue? There can't be. Or just like what happened to Richard Dawkins in Berkeley, where the they were going to have him come on for his new book, and people had bought tickets to the event, and were really excited to meet Richard Dawkins, who, however you think of him. But then they canceled the event because he had criticized Islam. So he had exhibited his free right, and as Richard mm-hmm. Dawkins does, criticizing all religions. Um, yeah, it's not like he excludes <laughs> any particular group. But of they yeah. shut him down simply for exhibiting his 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 opinions that are very well known. Mm-hmm. Like almost mm-hmm. anyone that pays attention knows how Richard Dawkins thinks. So it wasn't like it was a surprise to them that he came out as, you know, something that's abhorrent. What was but, the school? Uh, I think it was UC Berkeley, but I think it was like their okay. radio sta- uh, radio station somewhere there mm-hmm. okay. that had an event for his new book. But it's it's a similar concept that they not only did not not respect his his right to free speech, or some of his tweets about Islam being what it is, um, 
but then they canceled their event with him because they decided all of a sudden they didn't like his viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So, because, yeah. Then again, you know, we have these speakers and things, and I guess you could say people who generally maybe don't agree with them or whatever don't have to go to their speeches. But if you're someone who, I mean, let's take, for example, maybe someone who is um, a son or daughter of someone who's undocumented, and something maybe Trump or one of these speakers says is scary or threatening to you, do you have to be tolerant of that? You know, um, I guess especially with, you know, Trump, as he was selected to represent the country, a lot of these people don't have the choice to just leave the country, but, you know, if something generally threatens you or your well-being or your rights, do you have to be tolerant of that? Well, does well no, come? and I think that's where a protest would come in. But a mm, protest and say. expressing your viewpoint is different than preventing someone else from expressing theirs. Mm-hmm. Well, and I we, think that's an important line. We come down to the distinction between words and actions. Do you have to be tolerant of actions versus tolerant of words? It's true. Um, or, but Are actions classified as expression? Are they words? Mm-hmm. Or are words classified as <sighs> actions? Which, I mean, obviously... You get the spe- Supreme Court in here and yeah. tell us... Obviously, <laughs> speaking is an action in and so, of itself, but mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, as a small sidetrack, it gets down to the... I've heard that words are considered violent now um, well, for expressing a different viewpoint. There have been a lot of controversies around this, this exact topic, obviously. I'm sure all of us, even all of you listening, have heard something, but there was one not too long ago with Megyn Kelly, who you can think of her what you may... Um, she, when she switched over to CNN, she was going to do an interview with Alex Jones, who's a controversial, (laughs) quote unquote, journalist, who, um, one of his big things that he was famous for was arguing that Sandy Hook was a conspiracy and that Mm. all of the parents and children were actors. They're now dead. They, but they (laughs) weren't killed. They weren't killed was the Uh, argument that it was acting. Mm -hmm. And. Because gun control. Alex. (laughs) Jones was going to go on Megyn Kelly's show and do an interview. And the parents of kids that died in this in that shooting were like, how can you do this? This is appalling that you would allow this person to come on TV, give him a platform that has, you know, done so much damage, actually perpetuated this idea that our children are not dead and all of these things. And Megyn had a really interesting response. Basically what she said was people weren't fighting like this when I interviewed dictators. Like we've interviewed Saddam Hussein on the news. We've interviewed Muammar Gaddafi has been on US news. And but now all of a sudden our society has shifted in such a way that people cannot be allowed to speak. And that's really problematic. I mean, even Dr. Dobson from Focus on the Family interviewed, um, I think it was Ted Bundy a number of years back on that serial killer's request, you know, and and gave a voice to to that. And the question is, do people have the right to hear that stuff? Is it valuable? Do we need to, to let that information be out there? Or, you know, and I, I, I am afraid that with this whole idea of some people should not be allowed to speak because their ideas are abhorrent. We're going to end some. To, to some. To some. To some, exactly. That we're going to end up in a state of something like 
Russia, China, North Korea, where you don't have freedom of speech because your viewpoint is offensive to whoever happens to be in power at that time. Yeah, that's called wrong think. And I, I'm, I'm worried that by our society becoming more and more one of justifying silencing people's speech, that that's where we're headed. Mm-hmm. It is, you're right, it is quite concerning as, again, a very much an individualist and a free speech proponent. I agree that it is, it is quite concerning. Um, I'm regularly shut down on the internet as a so-called Nazi or fascist when I'm very clearly neither of those things simply because I disagree with a viewpoint about how for instance it's on the indiv- it's the onus of the individual to to find acceptance in themselves and not use media representation or something like that to legitimize themselves and their personality and and the dangers of identity politics and so yeah but I think we need to be careful with those those slippery slopes because we regularly criticize slippery people that slopes. use those arguments because mm-hmm. they're right fallacious so and i believe we even came to a conclusion perhaps that into- uh, tolerance can be can be a slippery slope for people and i would actually pose the question of is it possible to be tolerant without falling into intolerance um what do you guys think? I think... What do you suspect at this moment? <laughs> I suspect most people know because most... Well, sorry, that's a, that's a very large generalization. A lot of people in my experience lack the self-discipline to not fall on that slippery slope. Um, that they don't live with discipline, logic, things like that, that they will fall into intolerance. Um, I think there are some that, I think most of us here, are tolerant without being intolerant and shutting down somebody that we don't agree with. I mean, we are all from different backgrounds and different viewpoints um, on many things. So, that's my answer. It could be possible, maybe on a surface level, but do people really believe, like, you know, I could go around saying I'm tolerant of every viewpoint, but of course in my head or something I'm going to disagree or get angry because I feel like I don't agree and that's not right you know someone's you don't think right and that's going to make me upset and you know I think that's what all people obviously on the internet you know you get on you read something and then there's hundreds of comments like yo you're wrong you're wrong Mm -hmm. like why would you think that and it's hard to not engage in that so by not engaging in it, you can maybe put on a facade of tolerance. Hmm. But are you truly tolerant? I don't know if that's well, ever possible. Well, is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't think so. I think that's fine. <laughs> you can sit there and think and be in your mind all you want. Yeah. But what matters in most moral compasses is how you treat act. others. See, and, and that's, that's my thing is that tolerance is not necessarily, in my view, how you believe. It's how you behave. Right. Tolerance mm-hmm. is a behavior, not a belief. Like, I don't mm-hmm. believe all viewpoints are equal, but do I listen to the conversations? Yes. So, I yeah, like, I can be a pro-life Christian all day long and still not trample on the rights of LGBT people or, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. your your beliefs internally are not the same thing, mm-hmm. in my view, as how you behave in the public sector. 
And so right. tolerance to me is not an internal thing. It's an external mm-hmm. thing. But That's even very interesting. when yeah. you go tolerance versus belief, if you're tolerant of something, does that then trample on your beliefs? If you believe, you know, the world needs to be saved or, you know, that uh, mm. uh, this is getting into a rabbit hole. But, you know, if you believe truly that, you know, um, abortion is, you know, murdering a child and you not acting on that or you being tolerant of someone who has an abortion does that go against your beliefs and then are you being immoral immoral then and then is that exactly is that then your actions are not reflecting and see i think that's where it gets much more complicated than people want it to be because people will make that argument a lot that well you don't have to have an abortion just because they're legal well if you genuinely believe in your heart of hearts that that's allowing a child to be murdered then, because you're expecting people to be logical, generally kind (laughs) (laughs) beings out in a very hostile, at times, environment, and that can be very, very hard. I suppose we have to think, like, what is this going to look like? So let's take maybe, you know, again, the cake situation, and say if both groups were truly tolerant of each other, what would that have looked like? You know, would she, would they have come in and said you know, can you bake this cake for us for our wedding? And she says, well, that's not what I believe, so sorry, I can't bake it. And they're like, okay, well, you know, we're still going to get married, but we'll go thank you else. for your time, you know? So is that going to be the true tolerance there, or... See, and that's my thought process, is I think you know, what we've gotten to the point of is where the group that's screaming the loudest gets the most rights. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's gotten to a point of we or at are, least the most attention. Yeah, so we're in the process of, of working on changing systems for LGBT people, and so their rights at this point in time are perceived to be more important than the re- rights of religious people who are being forced to serve them. Or the 99.7% other percent of the, other, the rest of the population. So. Well, and I think, I think it's, it's really... Frustrating. So, yeah, we've talked a little bit about the fact that the left is really in favor of supposedly diversity and tolerance and all of these things. This kind of progressive idea. But the um, the Women's March, which was very recent and a very, very big deal, did not allow any pro-life groups to march. Mm-hmm. So, basically, what the, the conclusion from that was of pro-life women was that we do not matter as women because we don't agree with you on the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. So... Even when it was not a march about abortion. Correct. Mm-hmm. It was a march for supposedly all women. As if you're, you know, not... Yeah. But then again, it goes back to this legitimacy thing, you know? It's like not legitimizing this group as, you know, able to be represented in this way. But isn't that the same as... You know the gay couple looking for the cake they wanted the le- the legitimacy and they didn't get it and these women wanted the, the to be legitimized and they didn't get it so but I feel like are, is that the same kind of situation in the terms of for me the distinction is that the women's march is a group that supposedly was in an all-women mm-hmm. let's come together let's so they do this thing yeah right. they so it was said, different that mm-hmm. baker never said I'm an everybody baker it's just a baker is that assumed, though, by opening a business that you were there to serve 
the public? I don't know. Unless they're advertised as a consumer. I, I suppose. I mean, do you paper. have to? I mean, I don't know. I was going to make the point that... That's true. If you are, you know, I don't know if they were maybe represented as a Christian business, as, you know, some businesses do. Sure. But if nothing then, else, they were transparent about it. I've worked for someone in the past who, in order to avoid that very issue, would just lie and say she wasn't available. Sure. Is that better? Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Is you're either mm-hmm. going to have people forced to push their beliefs underground mm-hmm. in order to keep their businesses alive, or you're going to have just businesses mm-hmm. shutting down everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was going to make the point real quick that I believe, I actually didn't know prior to you just telling us that uh, people were excluded from the Women's March. It's, it feels as though, there's a feeling, not a thought, but it would be a much more persuasive event if it was inclusive. And if I'm a fairly pro-choice, but if it included pro-life women, I would have been very encouraged by that, by mm-hmm. the consistency but of it. How powerful would it have been to have a pro-life and a pro-choice group marching in the same exactly. march? Exactly. You know? What a message it feels that really powerful and consistent, yeah. which mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate and that I think it didn't they failed. It is they turned it into a leftist. Yeah. yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really unfortunate. And the problem Slippery is that we're looking slope. at the same thing again because... I think, and I don't really have any statistics to back me up on this, but I think there are more people in the middle of most of these issues than we would I suspect so. ever hear yeah. from. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where this is a problem. So you've got these pro-life feminists, right? But the argument is that you can't be pro-life and be a feminist because you're pro-life, and so then you don't believe in women's choices, and it's a whole thing. It's a whole mm-hmm. can of worms. But... There's also the problem now of the Democratic Party in the United States trying to argue that you can't have pro-life Democrats run as Democrats. Is that a party line or is that parts of the party, Um, would you say? It was... I'm actually not familiar with the... uh, I just saw it today. Democratic... We're going to check our sources real quick. (laughs) Um, Let our librarian work. She yes. Do her thing. <laughs> while that she's looking that up, though, um, we, we, we approached a, an interesting question while we were on break. Um, is it, it so? Since we've pretty much concluded that it that being tolerant and tolerance in general is a slippery slope, how do we all think a person should act in order to pursue the the lofty, overarching goal of tolerance? You know, to be fair to everyone to at least give people a platform to speak even if you vehemently disagree with them things of that nature um because i think i think we talked about this earlier that tolerance is a is nice in practice or nice in theory right um but it seems like in practice it, it falls flat on its face a lot whether it's here in america it almost Europe, uses circular logic yes it does so can we never truly be tolerant? I think you can. Unless act. you're we willing act. to be agnostic on everything. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to never choose a side, mm-hmm. ever, or be a skeptic, or be a skeptic, which it's it's, it's it depends. Some people right, say skeptics like, are the most intolerant because they don't mm-hmm. accept anything. Yeah. But let alone. The, but is that okay? <laughs> let alone each other. Well, I think it's kind of like um, you know. You talk about exposing yourself to wanting to read, you know, texts from other religions and things like that that you don't necessarily believe in just to understand and know more about them. 
but you don't necessarily internalize that information. Right, like reading like, reading Hitler's Mein Kampf. You don't have to agree with Hitler, but it's an interesting view, or, you know, interesting look into the man that did all the things that he did. And then his meeting, people automatically assume that, oh, if they even know what Mein Kampf is, they assume that you... His manifesto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His, his kind of biography mixed with manifesto, but... And, yeah, it's it goes back to the you can't be consider yourself blank if you are open to other ideas or don't follow certain strictures. Um, so I think you've come across that with your, some of your own religious beliefs that you can't be a certain way if you call yourself a Christian. Or oh, that gets frustrating. <laughs> so, so frustrating. Like, oh, if you don't believe... That the the Earth is six thousand years old. Then you're not a Christian because you don't believe in the literal truth uh, of the Bible. <laughs> we are going to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Thank Cheers you all for yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time.